the Old Testament reading from the book of Numbers, the 21st chapter. From Mount Hor they set out by way to the, group, to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many of the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take the serpents away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if the serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, the second chapter. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Out of reverence for the word of Christ, let us stand. The Holy Gospel for this day, according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, 
and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And so when from death I'm free, I'm going to sing on. Isn't that wonderful news? I mean, we can sing, and we can sing because we know that God is victorious, that he has loved us with an everlasting love, that God has truly gone to hell and back for us so that we could have eternity with him. And that is something that's exciting today. As we hear on this fourth Sunday in Lent, we hear those familiar words from John 3. You know, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Sometimes we forget that Jesus was actually speaking those words. We get so caught up in our whole thoughts about that text that we forget that it's Jesus proclaiming that. That Jesus said, for God so loved the world. So you and I today, we rejoice because God does love the whole world. That God did give his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So you and I today, we are people who live out that truth in our lives. And we do so because God has acted on our behalf. When we look back to Paul's letter in Ephesians 2, you know, that word which we're familiar with, the ending part of our reading today, 8 to 10, but those first verses to remember that we are indeed people who used to be dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. That we were born sinful. That we were conceived in sin. And so from the point of our conception onward, we have been sinners through and through, corrupt and unrepentant sinners. But yet God in his mercy, even when we were dead in those trespasses and sins, even when we walked in the way that was bad, even when we gave in to peer pressure and did the wrong things, even when the devil whispered in our ear and we carried out his words in our lives, even during that, even while that spirit was at work in the sons of disobedience, even for you and I in the passions of our flesh, God loved us. He was rich in mercy toward us because of that great love by which he loves us. So that even while we are dead in our sin, even when we are totally covered up and there's nothing seemingly worthwhile for us, even when we are so corrupted that we can't even see the truth if it was to come and bite us, 
God shows his love for us that even in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And St. Paul can't even hardly keep his words to himself here. In breaks this chorus of, by grace you have been saved. And you know, that word, that mantra, those words of truth are words that really need to penetrate our lives today as well. By grace, you've been saved. You know, I love how they, the grammatarians try to describe this breaking in. They put a dash before, by grace, you've been saved, and then a dash afterward, because it's really kind of an inflection, something that comes out of this. And then goes on to say that we are raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So see, not only have we been lifted out of the muck and the sinfulness and the corruptness of this world, that we've been made alive in Christ, by grace you've been saved, but also raised up with him and seated with him in heaven with Christ Jesus. So, you know, I want to kind of get us to that point that we are starting to understand this by grace you've been saved. After all, this is one of those key Lutheran verses that we always go back to. We go to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and then sometimes remember that there is a verse 10 as well. But you and I, in our lives, it's helpful for us as St. Paul illuminates to get things in the godly order that he wants in. Well, let me talk a little bit about order in our lives. Sometimes you and I, we get the things out of order in our lives. We spend money without having a job. Okay, something a little out of order there. Do we uh, eat without buying the food first? Do we get things out of order? Do we put the proverbial cart before the horse? You ever seen that on a farm? You know, that the horse pushes the cart along? I don't think so. It doesn't work so well. But you and I, we are prone to put the wrong things first. We are prone to somehow feel puffed up when it comes to things of God to think that somehow we're better than others. That somehow God saw that we were worth redeeming out of all the other crowds in the world when millions sing the song that somehow you and I, we were the lone ones that knew it. But yet, by grace you've been saved infers to us that that grace is for all people. And it's not because of what you are. It's not because of what you've done, but it's because of what God has done for you. In my adult instruction classes, I often try to get people to understand what grace is. Because grace is not just a prayer before a meal. But grace is something much more important to our lives. 
And one of the ways to understand that is that it's, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. To put it in five words, there are five letters in the word grace. God, G, riches, R, at, A, Christ, C, expense, E. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. God's riches, fullness, the fullness of all the gifts of God come to us because Christ paid for them on the cross. And you know, so prone are we as human beings that we do still get the cart before the horse. Even when St. Paul points out very clearly here, for it's been by grace you've been saved, through faith. And by the way, this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Do you see what comes first? God in his grace and his mercy and love comes to us and he lifts us up, forgives us, wipes us clean, all because of the payment that Christ made on the cross for us. Grace given to us because of Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And this is not our doing. It is Christ's doing for us. It's not the result of our goodness or our good doings, our good deeds, or our good works. We like to use that word good a lot. But truly God alone is good and he is the one who does the good work through the faithfulness of his son Jesus on the cross for us. So that we might be his children. So that we might be made alive with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. What does it mean to be saved? It means to be taken out of the Judgment that's going to happen upon sin and sinners and iniquities and all of those horrible things in God's eye. To be saved is to be knowing that Jesus did everything on the cross. There's nothing remaining that needs to be done for your salvation. That he saved you by his work. You see, by grace you have been saved. And this comes to us through faith, which is not our doing either, right? Faith is a gift of God. God gives faith. By the power of his word, through the spirit, God adopts us, brings us to faith. He continues to strengthen that faith in our lives, especially as we feed on the word of God. So you and I are people of grace, saved by grace, saved by Christ, 
on the cross. You see, it's not our own doing. It is truly a gift from God. It's not a result of our works so that we could boast. You know, some things that just, well, let me just say it just irritates me. I was going to get a little dramatic because it really irritates me. But the thing is, is that when people boast in, you know, how good they are, it's like, that doesn't matter so much. For salvation's sake, it's only Christ's goodness that matters. Him crucified and risen. Our good works are in response to what God has done. Our good works are our joyful Christian, adopted children of God, response to his goodness. Sort of like on Christmas morning and being a child and opening that gift of getting the thing that you never knew that you wanted but needed the most in your life. And you get so excited by it. You see, the response of faith is to do good works. And just in case we're going to start boasting in our works again, St. Paul, led by the Spirit, gives us verse 10 that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see, good works are supposed to be innate to the Christian life. They are to be proof that faith is living, that we are created in Christ Jesus. There's that new birth in faith for good works that God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Golly gee, do you notice there? God even provides what we're supposed to do. And he prepares us for it, equips us for it, and stands with us as we walk the road of works. All as a response to his love. We talked about the proverbial horse and the cart. If we get the cart in the right place behind the horse and imagine the horse is the power of God and the cross, where does the horse pull the cart? Wherever the horse is led. So you and I, as Christians, are led down a path of service, a path of good works, as we show forth the fruit of faith in our lives. What does that look like? That looks like doing things that you wouldn't prefer to do, but doing them out of love for someone else. That looks like standing or sitting at the bedside of someone terminally ill that you don't even know very well, but being there as a presence to help them know that they're not alone in their time of need. That means calling someone you haven't heard from in a while just to let them know you've been thinking about them. What it means is to be someone who God has saved and then doing the things that God would have us do. All in the proper order. Because after all, for by grace you've been saved. That is how our lives are lived then. So as we go about our days, we wake up in the morning, by grace you've been saved. I can start a new day. It's a whole wonderful day out there. 
It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. And then sin enters in. There's darknesses. There's anger. There's frustration. There's anxiety. There's hurt. And as we plow through that, the thing in our ears, by grace you have been saved. God did that for you. That helps you as you go through, as you follow where God is leading you. And as you encounter difficulties, when the sounds of this world try to drown out what God has done, again, hear in your mind, by grace you've been saved. God chose you. God created you in Christ Jesus. And we are his workmanship. So people of God, you are saved by grace. And don't let anyone ever try to convince you of otherwise. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.